I mean, you all heard us if you have been listening to the podcast after GDC this past year, mm-hmm. where we were completely freaked out by how by the the, the nightmare landscape that that indie game development has yeah, become. I like the the metaphor of you know we launched Crash and we we're like great, and then we like went back into our cave and we just start tinking around. Mm-hmm. And like meanwhile, outside the whole world Nukes is on yeah. the whole up, world yeah. is on fire, you yeah. know. And then three years later, we come out, and we're like, hey, oh god, yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 223 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm a meat automaton. I'm Sam and I'm the RT. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is September 16, 2019. September. September. Teen. Before mm-hmm. we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears. If you don't like them, then don't. Uh, we'd then also. Don't, then continue not liking them or. Don't. Yeah, you just do your you own thing. Out. You know? Okay. But just know that you're going to run into them kind of everywhere. Yeah. So uh, we got them in here. They're out there. They're in the wild. They're just out there. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net for letting us grab their money. Just all the money. Um, we, we got an anonymous tip this time around. No message either. Just mm. some secret ghost person just dunked a dunked a wad of cash just giving the gift to of cash to us uh, and then just walked away what a noble silently. soul yeah um, and we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters who help us keep our mics on week after week let's talk about life we saw a cardinals game Cardinals are familiar is a baseball team yes it's the baseball team it's not a bunch of birds but that would also be amazing to watch um the cardinals are the st louis baseball team they've won the world uh, the world, series. the Fortnite World Cup. Yes, yes. What it, whatever the word is, I can't remember what it is. <laughs> the World Championship <laughs> for baseball, um, which world is Series. I think World Series, but it's really funny because they called it World Series, but it's actually just the U.S. Right? Which yeah, is so it's, it's like that. It's kind of like Miss Universe. Yep. You know, it's, yeah, it's a little presumptuous. A little presumptuous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible, but yeah, it's statistically possible. unlikely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it's the same situation there, and they're really good, which is you know good. But we showed up. Oh, on, I heard they weren't. This weekend. Well, they did lose this weekend, which yeah. was interesting. But we show up to a game. Uh, and we, we roll up. We got our seats. We get some hot dogs, which were, frankly, just bad, like poorly advertised, misadvertised is what I would actually say. Because the picture on the little touch screen where you choose your hot dogs was like a beefy, just like a dope looking, just delicious. a big. Like what your mind imagines a ballpark Frank sort of situation would be. But it was just a shriveled nightmare when it, it was, came out. It or? came out and it was, I swear, half as as wide as the picture. And then the bun was, was sort a, of like creased around it. Was it was like effectively a, a smoky wrapped in a tiny crepe. Yes. But they just sort of class action suit going, you know. A lot of people wild. go to those games. It's crazy. It's clearly false advertising. But the the best part though is that they have a they have you know your traditional ketchup and mustard pumps, and then they had a relish pump. A just, relish pump. You just blast yeah, that yeah. relish. <laughs> just, well, the best part is it actually blasts it because it can't. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to get kind of plugged. <laughs> so, so yeah, I went over there and I pumped it like twice, and then like this little spurt of just like. Just sort of pickle juice shot out, and I was like, "Well, where's the bread? Like, where's yeah. the stuff?" Stuck and then it hit one more time, and it was like, just, <laughs> just shot out this asteroid of, of uh, you know, destructive Astro- relish, a pickle asteroid. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, but I, I had a thought while we were watching baseball, mm-hmm. which was whoever designed this didn't design it for people to watch. No, because I think that's true of all sports. No, it's not because if you Is think about some of the most fun sports to watch, um, I think about hockey as being, frankly, one of the most fun sports to watch. And the reason is, is because the ball is in play all of the time. Mm-hmm. Or soccer. right? Or soccer. Yeah. So these games where actually things are happening literally all the time. So in football, things are not happening exactly. all the time. Exactly. So football is sort of sliding toward baseball in terms yeah. of the amount of time that basically the ball is in play. And then as you get to baseball, the ball is in play for about like three to four seconds yeah. And that's it. Like every and it's so very often. small. Like it's moving real fast. Uh-huh. And it's very sporadic. The nice thing about football is you can count on when it's going to be going into play, right? Because it's yeah. like they just go down like a 20 minute, 20 second maximum between plays. But in baseball, like the, the pitcher could just literally strike the most boring, but also somehow most exciting thing would be if, if the pitcher on your team struck out everybody for the entire game. Yeah. So there's literally nothing. Happens. Literally nothing happens. And so if you think about this from a game design standpoint. Yeah, the best case <laughs> scenario is nothing happens. Yeah. And so we're watching this and I was just thinking, I was just trying to figure out in my mind as just a fun exercise, how would you how would you just twist baseball a little bit to make it so that the ball is somehow always in play 
and therefore much yeah. More so fun now you make a new league called X Baseball. Exactly. Which or is kind of a good what's, what's the baseball league called? Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. Yeah, so MLB, XLB. so XLB, mm. just like we had the XFL. Back extra in the large 2000s. ball, and then you extra get a dodgeball. <laughs> no, no, like a, but it's got to be hard still. You want it to hurt? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So we need that. Yeah, so somewhere got, between like a soccer ball and a softball. And then everybody, like everybody in every position has a bat. Yeah. Ooh. And you know gloves. It's just bats. <laughs> and so your job is that you have to hit the ball back at other people. Oh. Right? And then if you hit the person, that's how they get out. And then it's the last man standing. It's the last man. Last so man you need alive, to, so somebody will hit the ball. They still have their bat. And then they're running to the base. And then somebody in the outfield, for example, yeah. has to then hit the ball yep. again back toward mm. first base. Yeah. And then and then the first base person has to fine-tune it by hitting it again so, right into the person who originally <laughs> hit it. It's essentially a dodgeball. I assume these bats are maybe sort of like wiffle bats because they're going to be swinging them around a lot. It sounds kind of like cross at this point. A little more like yeah. that, you know. There's no nets, though. So yeah. It's totally different. So I was totally thinking, different. I couldn't, I, there are a lot of ways I could figure out for once the ball is hit for sort of keeping it, you know, keeping it out there for a while. But as far as like how to handle the whole hitting of the ball in the first place, I couldn't figure Easy. out. Easy. Get rid of pitchers. There's a machine that just yep. shoots the ball always in the same consistency. Boom. Should there be home runs? Because home runs are super exciting, but also Very incredibly boring. boring. Right? So it's just, that's the weird thing about baseball. It's like everything that's super exciting is also very boring on like mm. a, on a no, moment you do. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Okay. You've got a machine in the middle okay. on the pitcher's mound. Yeah. It blasts the ball uh, upward. It's basically a, a randomly directed pop fly. Okay. Okay. You don't know where the fuck that thing is yep. going. And then you've got, uh, you've got four people waiting on home plate. Okay. <laughs> okay. So they're in a, they're in a line. This is like a relay basically. Yep. So they're in a line ready to go. The ball gets hit up. First person starts running around, okay? And then the team that's in that's uh, in the outfield and in the infield, I guess the defending team. Is that the defending team? Yeah. yeah. They now have to wiffle slap this ball and try to hit the runner, okay? So this person has to run around all four bases and get in. If they get in, then the next person gets to go. So you got to so get all four of your people in without getting tagged? Yes. Yeah. But it, the tagging you still is get happening a, via bat. Be, via hitting the ball. With the bat. With the bat to try to okay. hit the people. So we should, what could go wrong? So yeah. we should make this as a, So there's that, there's that video game, that golf game where you just throw yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we should, make a, we should make a video game called Actually Fun Baseball. Mm-hmm. Or we could just call it regular baseball. Or regular baseball. Totally we know, we're going we're gonna to subvert the whole sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to just take over. I mean, this is true, real baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Let's do yeah. it. So that would be, be a good jam game. That would be. To practice our 3D, our 3D <laughs> yeah. game jamming. Yeah, that would be a tough one. I assume this is online multiplayer. Yeah, yeah obviously. Be, yeah. Uh, let's talk about Shenanicon. Yeah. It's coming. coming. September 28th. One, one and one half weeks. Yeah. Uh, one to 5 p.m. here in St. Louis. This is our uh, annual fan convention. Mm-hmm. And you can come hang out with us. It's It's pretty small still. So this is one of those, like, you actually get to spend some time with us uh, and the rest of the crew at, at the studio uh, see Scuffle Buddies, which was our six-month in-development project that ended up being canceled uh, for Levelhead. It's one of those ones where you, as you build it, you start just seeing just how big it is, and you yep. just go, oh, oh, no. Yeah, you've so, <laughs> made a mistake. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to have some things to say about that. Um, we've never shown it to anybody, and we'll probably never, it'll never see the light of day mm-hmm. ever again. Um, and so this is kind of like just a cool peek behind the curtain and see just what, what kinds of things happen here. And, uh, and we can also talk about maybe what the future of some of the things from scuffle buddies, uh, will be. And then we also have, what do we have? We have a live Uh, podcast episode. mm -hmm. We've got a levelhead competition, a little, little play action in there, which would be fun. Uh, so lots of stuff. And then afterwards, it was just, it's just meeting and greeting. Yeah. So just chatting, hanging out with us, hanging out with fellow uh, what do we call them? Shenanites, be scotcheroonies, be scotcheroonies, shenanites, scotcheroos, scotcheroos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterwards, we'll just go hang out um, at the Scottish Arms nearby and just uh, chill. Yeah. So if that sounds like your thing, which of course it is. Then just go to meet.bscotch.net, mm-hmm. grab your tickets. Uh, it is a limited capacity thing, and we also know that that as, because of uh, how things went last year, you know, a lot of people just kind of wait until. Like right oh, yeah. before to get your ticket, just yep. be aware that it is limited. So yep. don't, don't <laughs> yeah. bank on it. Way that. too long. Um, and then also, uh, we were at Pixel Pop Festival this past weekend, which was uh, it's a gaming convention here in St. Louis. 
It's kind of a, a hybrid for developers and players. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different than something like PAX, which is very player focused, and also different than something like GDC, which is very developer focused. This is somewhere it's in a nice the mid ground. So yeah. as you walk in, there's just tons of demo stations with people with with their games showing off, which is a lot of fun. And then there's there's a, a full schedule of talks and stuff like that. And so we rolled in on Saturday afternoon and just sort of did our just did our rounds at it's the demo laps. tables. Yeah, met everybody and said, yeah, I hey. tried to talk to. Everybody. I missed a few stations because they were mm. occupied, but I tried to talk to everybody as I walked by, which was actually quite fun and, and surprisingly didn't take that long. Just a couple of hours. Yeah, it was about a couple of hours. Yeah. And, I, and I talked to literally everybody who was showing a game, mm. yeah, which was pretty neat. Yep. One thing I learned was that every single game at Pixel Pop is coming out on Steam. Yep. So. <laughs> and, and, yes. I, and I think almost none of them know what they're in for, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a bloodbath out, blood out there. <laughs> um, and actually, Welcome, actually yeah. Valve just announced uh, on Thursday that they're changing the algorithm again. Yeah, um, although it is supposed to, the outcome is supposed to be that that people are actually going to see more indie titles. That is what it's supposed according, to be. According to Steam. Yeah, I say. Essentially, they, well, essentially the problem was that, that it was biasing too much. When you, whenever you saw, you know, more games like this, it was yeah. biasing those really hard toward games that were already at the top of the charts mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily like the game you were looking at. They yep. just were popular. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and apparently people had been actually complaining to Steam and being like, I'm just seeing that. And this, and this, and this had been my experience also mm-hmm. is I just see the same fucking games day all in time. and day out. And they're all games that I don't want. Otherwise, I would have looked at them and bought them. Right, them you know? yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think I think they they're much needed tweaks and they and they say in their experiments that it increased Increased engagement and increased purchasing rates. So yeah, the best part was though, as soon as they they put the algorithm in place. Um, so I'm part of a part of a, a marketer's sort of like secret group where basically there, some people are sharing their numbers and what was happening, and actually did not appear to be going well for most people <laughs> in terms of what yeah. was happening. They saw declines. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people saw declines. Yeah, and we don't we, we don't were, know what's happening yet. I yeah, don't think. I, I haven't looked at it from over the weekend. Yeah, so who knows? But um, it was fine. It was fine on Friday. Whatever that means. But we were. I mean, we're. If, you know, if we're just being honest here, we're, our, the tail is so low right now. Yeah, we'd barely even notice if it went yeah. lower. So you know? yeah, it's it's hard to hard to. And we also might not notice if it would higher either. Depending. Yeah, it would have to, it would have to get <laughs> a lot. Even because if it got twice as high, it would just like you couldn't tell. Yeah. You know? So it, we'll be curious to see what actually happens with it. I know that there's there's always the publicly stated intent behind it, but this is also the yeah. intent behind the last one, if you recall. Was um, it? I don't remember. It was the last change was. was like, oh, we're gonna like bring more games to more people. Whatever. Yeah, and we, we've talked like, to it. we've talked about this in the past, but just that Valve has this sort of unwinnable situation. Yeah, it's just gonna be rough. Where games are coming into the platform at a rate far higher than than uh, players are coming <laughs> into this, and actually, the, probably the number of players on Steam is, I assume. Tape, like tapered quite a lot. Well, and, and they're trying, and most of them are not good games, right? And so they're and they're, and they're not curated by Steam by humans, which like means, they used to be. Like they used to be, which means they have to be algorithmically their mm-hmm. their goodness has to be algorithmically determined. And the more bad games that Steam shows to users, the less a user is going to, to trust platform. Steam, and yep. less the fewer the games are going to buy. And so but they have to show really a bad game to somebody to find out if it's good or not to determine how good it yeah. is. <laughs> and so, so it's actually all over. And you can see why, as more and more games have been allowed to go on the platform, they, as they've just taken the gates off, that the the outcome has been that they uh, they rely on external traffic, mm-hmm. right? Because the one thing that they basically can say, okay, well, if we don't have to show this to people and you know risk showing a bad game to one of our users. But we can see the traffic is coming into this game from somewhere. You know, we didn't have to do it. But like for some reason, people are into this game. Then that's some evidence that people want this. So now we can show it to people, right? Which seems to kind of be the model they've landed on. And mm-hmm. so so in the past, it was the case that you could use Steam as your discovery engine where you could yeah. put your game on there and you could – and then people would discover it because it was on there and they would you know guarantee some number of views and all that kind of stuff. And now it seems like uh, – Don't count on it. Yeah, now it seems like it's just a place where you sell your game. Yes. All right, I'm going to make a prediction. What's huh. your prediction? Sometime in the next couple of years. He's got Stradamus. Sometime in the next couple of years, we're going to see a new system in Steam, which is essentially a return to the old system. You mean a curated selection? Which old system? Curated or, or so Greenlight? Probably, probably something closer to the curated system, I would think. Yeah. Where essentially you've got now a, a double, like a stratified store, where anybody can sell their game on Steam, and that's true. Um, you just pay your money and that you're, you're, you're technically selling your game on steam. Um, 
but there's probably going to be a curated section, which will be a return to the old style, which is Valve themselves having a team of people looking at stuff and saying, these are good games. You can trust them. We've mm-hmm. vetted them. Your, They're your Steam selects. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I X- bet. Xbox did this. I did Xbox did this a few years ago. I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, where they've got a stratified, yeah, they have uh, a stratified system yeah. where you have like the games that you can just, you just put on there. Right. And then, and then you have, if you actually go through Xbox and have people over there and you go through that process and they vet you and, you know, uh, and, and those were in two tiers and they were in separate places in the store. And, and my, my understanding, and this was a couple of years ago, back when we were, maybe they were just experimenting with this or planning to do it. I don't even know if they did, but my understanding of it was that the expectation was basically that if you weren't in that selected tier, then like nobody's going to go to that part. So they they wanted to be able to say, oh yeah, anybody can put their game on Xbox, but, but they, also they but wanted they, the platform to be useful for players. Exactly. Right? But they didn't want to do the consequences <laughs> yeah. of that. And so they use that, that two tiers. Yeah. So I, I. I can almost guarantee that this would have to happen in the long term. Well, and you can actually kind of think about this. So. It's almost like green light, right? If you have a two-tiered system because you just let yeah. games in and then if a game turns out to be somewhat successful because of external traffic uh, or because it's a you know sleeper hit that people somehow found or whatever, uh, then you could bump it into that select tier, right? So it could still kind of work in that way where things wouldn't have to be in one or the other. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it is going to change – Something's got to change. Yeah, something's got to give. Um, Speaking of, I mean. Yeah, so we need to talk about. Well, I also want to give a shout out to the Two Scoop Games people. Yes. Uh, So they came and showed their game uh, at Pixel Pop, and they had sent us a podcast question asking about the best ice cream in St. Louis, which Mm -hmm. is Clementine's. Of course. And they, in fact, went there. Got their Clementines and then went to show Pixel Pop. Did they agree that it was best? They said it was very good. They said it was fantastic, and of course, but the uh, best. Oh, I don't know. I didn't. Okay. I, I honestly, I press. I think it's unfair to judge ice creams like that because they're all <laughs> equally amazing. You know, <laughs> they're definitely not all equally amazing, but they are all. They amazing. are all ice cream. They're, they're, they're all, all ice cream. And at that point, good. you're just you're yeah. You're you, you've already spot. passed the bar. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so of course they then uh, demoed it. Pixel Pop, fully rejuvenated, full of ice. The cream. The game was good. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, very fun. So uh, just shout out to those guys. And also now we need to talk about subscription subscription Geddon twenty grind team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so three big news items all relating to game subscriptions uh, in the past week. First one is the our most own, pertinent to us, which is Crashlands uh, is is on mobile going to the Play On subscription service, which is by a company called Bending Spoons. And they've got tons of other uh, big apps that they've been working on. And uh, they've done quite well for themselves across their various things. So so uh, we ended up starting talking with them a couple few months ago, actually. And, uh, and we saw what they were putting together with their subscription service. We started talking to them. We liked the cut of their jib. We've been wanting to do some experiments with subscription stuff uh, generally, and we were kind of always open to the idea if the right sort of a deal presented itself, um, and it did. Yeah. So so the idea there is Crashlands is, is going to be switching to this free-to-try model where people can play the game. This is just for the mobile version, mm-hmm. um, and actually just iOS for now, and then later Android, we think. Um, so people can try the game for, for some amount of time, and then they can – either do a free trial or they can subscribe to this subscription service. So then they get crash ends plus a bajillion all these games. other games mm-hmm. as well. Um, I don't and, think we know what other games in the service, right? Uh, we just know there are other games. There yes. are other games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, so they're still building up the portfolio as well. And they're, they're uh, just sort of like starting to get the thing up off the ground. Yeah, I, think, I think play on, I think on iOS, it is, it is soft launched. Right. I or like, or so. I guess like quietly launched or something like it does exist. Yeah. They're still, they're still building it up right yeah. now. So yeah. And importantly, if you already bought Crashlands, it's fine. Yeah. If you already bought Crashlands, this, this means nothing. Then you get to just keep it and you don't uh, need to sign up or, or do anything. Nothing happens. Yeah. You will, you will see a, a minor change to your UI, which is a play on button will appear on the main menu that you, you know, could use, but don't need to. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and the B Scotch ID sign in button. Will now be on the saves page instead of on the main. Menu. Yeah, and and this was something that we we really pressed hard for, and we we felt was really important. The idea that if you bought the game, then it's, it's yeah. still it's yours, and that shouldn't affect you at all. Um, so that's happening, and we have no idea what's going to happen with that. No, but the, the thing that's super exciting about it is that we get to basically experiment with the subscription model in a very light way um, with a product that's already sort of at the end of its general life cycle. I mean, Crashlands is approaching four years yeah. old. It's a yeah. full-blown you know, yeah. toddler at this yeah. point. And um, 
you don't get many opportunities oftentimes in the in the you know far far reaches of a game's lifespan to do yep. something interesting that actually gives you some new info. Um, I think this is something that's been kind of surprising to us is just seeing how long these tales can go. Um, yeah, if your game is is very good and well regarded, and, well, and um, also how many business opportunities. Uh, over time, um, even even over yeah. a long time, because you know, because I mean, Playon approached us. And we're like, hey, we're making the service. We would like to put Crashlands in it, and you know, we're sitting here looking at like we've been over here just kind of sweating bullets because like money's gonna run out. Yeah, <laughs> gonna run out at some point. We got this new game we're trying to get out, and as we've as you've all heard us talk about on the podcast, the landscape's looking real rough. And so then they come in and they were like, so we want to try this thing, and we'll just kind of solve some of your money problems mm-hmm. if if you if you opt in to mm-hmm. doing this, right? Uh, which you know brings us back to this whole discussion about about Epic and and yep. their exclusive ex- exclusivity deals and so on, and and the fact that that in the modern landscape, um, you got to be willing to entertain the idea of some stuff that might make you re- like because we turned over the keys, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. we as literally in, handed over Crashlands on uh, both platforms now or, or both, both. Yeah. yeah, on as both platforms, it's yeah. gone from like butterscotch. It's not in our handed. portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. When we go, we into, have no control over yeah, it. We go into our developer backend uh, on iTunes or whatever. Crashlands is not, not there. there. Mm-hmm. It's and and of course we're still we still have the the source code it's still our game and we're still going to be fixing stuff but we just then you know hand it over yeah, to but them. we we don't have the rights to how it is managed on mobile mm-hmm. anymore yeah. right just period right we we of course in our contract we have certain things that they are and are not allowed to yeah, do and yeah. so on but but it's just it it effectively is not our game yeah so of course that's you know that's a little exciting yeah, uh, as a company, <laughs> yeah, uh, and we, I mean, we had to think about that very hard. And, oh yeah, and you know, and the the con, and and they were they were they were very fair with, with yeah, the terms, been, with the contract. Great to work and, with, yeah, they've been great, great to work with. But it was one of those things that we had to we had to really dig deep and ask the question. You know, what what is the value of of you know, in, quote unquote, independence? Right, where we we don't want anybody to own our stuff, and we want we want to have complete control over everything. And uh, and the fact is, you gotta you gotta be able to give some of it up. Well, and you have mm-hmm. to recognize the reality, which is you aren't independent. I mean, no, it, it was always the case that we were completely dependent on, on the, Apple all the featuring Google given to us by Apple yep. and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, it was always at the end of the day, somebody else's decision, what happened with Crashlands. Yeah, yeah. right. It, but yeah. It was like, <laughs> yeah. we, got, we got to kind of, uh, you know, sort of trick ourselves into thinking we had more the control illusion. than we did. Uh, all we had to be able to, ability to do is patch it. You know, yeah, that's yeah, all we that's can actually do. All store ownership gives you really, yeah. right? And so, so that I mean, literally, the nothing has changed in that regard. <laughs> no, because um, we still patch. Well, like so, yeah. And just to make it clear, what's going to happen if we make any changes to Crashlands, make any updates, do anything, those are still going to go to the play on yep. version. Uh, Beast Catcher D is still in there, so your progress is still going to carry over. Um, so every like nothing has changed about your gameplay experience. It only change if you don't own it already on mobile. Is that? To play it for like you know the full duration of the time, you'll be in the subscription service. Yeah, um, but everything else about it is just the same. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I'm really excited about because I think it's it's a big shift. It's been a big shift mentally for our studio. Is actually the oh, big yeah. part of it. Um, is just a year ago of, we wouldn't have done this. No, hundred percent. And I think it's been it's been very exciting because to me it's a it's it's sort of like a you know butterscotch is open for business sort of a thing where <laughs> right. you know. Do it to do it willing to entertain actual business deals. Yeah. Well, and there were, we, and we had, uh, we've had a couple of, yeah, we won't talk about details, but we, we had a a proposition a year ago last summer Mm -hmm. that we just said no to out of hand. Yep. That had we said yes to at the time would have completely, like where we are today would be completely different. Um, and not, not only in good ways, right? So there would be some negatives as well, Mm -hmm. of course, because there always are. Um, but on the whole, our, our money anxiety in particular would basically just be gone. Yeah. Right. And and at the time, we just said no out of hand before we even like talked about what the deal yep. could look like. We were just like no because it because it, it came like with it. strings that we that we just on principle were, would just just said no to. And so then after after I mean you all heard us if you have been listening to the podcast after GDC this past year mm-hmm. where we were completely freaked out by how by the 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 nightmare landscape that that indie game development has yeah, become. I like the the metaphor of you know we launched crash hands we're like great and then we like went back into our cave and we just start tinking around mm-hmm. and like meanwhile outside the whole world Nukes is on fire you know, the whole world yeah. is on fire you know yeah. and then three years later we come out and we're like hey oh god yeah. <laughs> yeah. what happened yeah that's, uh, that's about right <laughs> yeah so so we we decided that that was uh and, you know but we've prided we've prided ourselves this whole time in our adaptability from the making game standpoint yes. where we could say we can make a change at any moment we want to have the game in a place where if somebody if a deal comes along we can you know make that work but we haven't really treated our business in that way Correct. in terms of 
recognizing business opportunities and being able to adapt to those circumstances. And so it wasn't until GDC kind of pulled the, you know, the wool off of our eyes, whatever that expression means. Uh, and, and we realized actually this is something we need to pay attention yeah. to if we want to survive as a company. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's crazy. That's happening. And yeah. It's very scary. Yeah. It's very scary. And, I'm uh, excited though. And of course, you know, this is also one of those things where, where this is now not just us, this is us working with another company. And so there's, there's going to be stuff that happens with this that we're just not going to be able to talk about, yeah. but we will try to be as uh, transparent about it as is possible. Yeah. And um, I, I think I will say if you find yourself with the opportunity to do something like this, uh, have a real lawyer involved. Yeah. One who you trust. Very helpful. Because the amount of back and forth and negotiation required uh, – we, we redlined easily or not – I guess redliners provided suggestions for easily half of the contract yeah. in terms of like lines, you know. And, yeah. and these are people who are coming at it in very good faith, oh, yeah. which is the funny part. Yeah, yeah. we were coming at good faith. Good they were coming at good faith and we still – because you have to get every – and even still at the very end of the day, there are parts of that contract where I look at it I'm like – if they decide to be dicks later, <laughs> yeah, this could be a problem. Yeah, but, I mean, we had a really good feeling about them um, yeah. as we were talking to them, so we're not really concerned about it. But um, yeah, and, and of course, at a, at a certain point, there's also these hilarious times, and this this is true of any business deal that you do. At a certain point, you basically just send one lawyer at the other lawyer. Yeah, right. Yeah, so like, that's what we did. So at, like at, a, at a certain point, the companies sort of like step out. The lawyers just start like yeah, duking it out <laughs> yeah. about various uh, like jurisdictions and warranties. Yeah. Well, and it gets weird too because this is actually – because this company is based in Italy. And so now we also had mm. sort of country-dependent issues that had yeah. to be dealt with. And so, yeah. there's, so there was this one like really weird line that they just had to include by, mm-hmm. by Italian law, which was like – it was this really weird thing where basically it was like – because we signed the thing, right? And underneath that, there's a section that basically says – we agree to specifically, and then like it just outlines some of the numbers, like because of course the contract is a bunch of bullet or you know a bunch of sections. numeric sections, right? And it just lists a specific subset of them, and then you sign it again. Yeah, and we were like, and we we're like, we just agreed to all of it. Why are we now agreeing yeah. to a subset of it? Because it's like it's like according to you know Italian blah blah some code mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, we we agree again, I guess. <laughs> it was, it was, and we were, yeah, it was well, just so well, weird. This, is, this was disconcerting. Because in American legal interpretation, mm-hmm. whenever you list something, the list is exhaustive. thought to be exhaustive. Yeah. Meaning if you say mm-hmm. like, I agree to A, B, and F, then what that means is you don't agree to any of yep. the other things, right? Yep. Um, and this is not true elsewhere necessarily, yep. uh, how things are interpreted. And so there was definitely some weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it like, very all these things are very, very weird. And then, and then you bring yeah. GDPR into it. And then, cause we got, cause then ours is X weird because we got B sketch ID in there. So like, so then the question was who owns... Who owns All the data, that, right? Yeah. And like, what is the data even? And then how does privacy apply? Because then they have their own system where, of course, they're doing subscriber stuff and they have some information about people involved now. And then we have Bscotch ID because we're not dealing with payments at all, but we're dealing with Bscotch ID. So we have GDPR Save stuff we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then and the question is, you know, who's who's, who's liable for yeah. GDPR compliance issues now? Which is really the, the key issue. Yeah, it's liability. It's not, it's, it's not even necessarily like who owns stuff. It's more like who's going to get – Who gets in trouble? Who gets in trouble when <laughs> right. shit goes wrong? Yeah. So it was, I mean it was very educational, very interesting. It was interesting. It did take a lot. It took a lot. Of, yep. Of yeah. That, so that was – I think that's the important point is it, it took us and our legal team and them and their legal team uh, all coming to the table in good faith with a good deal kind of out of the gate. It still took us oh, – Four months. Like, yeah. well, I think two months of, of actual yeah. like negotiating and sending contracts back and forth yeah. uh, to get that all worked out. I heard some really good uh, advice when we, were at, when we were at PAX Dev. They're talking about business deals. And they said you should count on any business deal that hasn't been completed yet um, having a 50% fail rate. Yeah. Until, yeah. until money has actually changed hands, yep. there's a 50% fail rate. Um, just so you're never super sold on it. And always recognize, too, that they take at least four to six months. Yeah. Which means this is where the pinch comes, right? Because if you're in an indie studio and you're like, say you're bootstrapping or you're just running out of cash, and then you come up come across a deal, you still have to that, survive. That might, so yeah, you still have to survive long enough to through get the, the contract. Yeah. Yeah. And then fifty percent of the time yeah. might just fall through. Yep. So this is why you see stuff like Telltale like implode, right? Where they had right. they were waiting on a deal to come through. Seemed like it was going to work. Yeah, contract Boom, they thought was coming gone. in. They thought they were going to have a bunch of money, and then it just didn't happen. <laughs> It's but also, I think they were, they had, they always, a lot of times companies will start these processes and then they'll scale up. Yes. Yeah. In preparation to, right. of, of yep. a deal that hasn't been finalized yet. And because you don't want to. And in some business models, you have to. Yeah. Because yeah. like you don't want to, you don't want it to be the case that you've agreed to some big deal, which requires you to deliver something that you currently don't have the capability to deliver. Yep. And then as soon as the deal starts, you 
you don't yeah, have well, the resources. Now, well, especially if you have to scale, because scaling itself can take two or three months, right? It, yeah, like, exactly. Depending on how big your scale. So you have to start, and then all of yep. a sudden, yeah. shit goes sideways. Yeah. So it's all very, it's all very. Yeah. yeah and that, that was the. I think that was the interesting thing about is, is I hadn't thought just how much of this has nothing to do with like willingness to give up independence and the and the sort of obvious initial terms of the deal, which because mm-hmm. in the end it's basically like we're giving up some rights, and in return we're getting some money, mm-hmm. right? That's like that's it. So it's very simple, and the, and, the, and that question of how much are we willing to give up for how much money? Like that, that, mm-hmm. that thing was all I really had ever thought about, which previously was like, I'm not willing to give up anything, you know? Yep. And we were, and then we changed that. And, and now it was just, that was the question. But then it turned out that all of the details are actually very interesting and complicated yep. <laughs> for, for how that actually, that actually happens. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah. neat. Yeah. And I, mean, also, I, I honestly enjoyed the, I mean, it was kind of annoying to like look over the contract again and again. Um, but it was also kind of fun. It's fun to put it together. was a fun puzzle. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the nice thing is too, there's so much technology now that actually shows you how, uh, how it has changed, you yeah. know, in the sense that like, instead of having to reread the whole thing again, you yep. can look for the spots yep. that have changed. That is nice. That's a nice new thing yeah. that didn't used to exist. It must've sucked a lot more to be a lawyer. Yeah, because of course, yeah. back in the day, somebody could just like sneak in, they could yeah. sneak a thing sneak in and reread every yeah, single Yeah, just line. reread everything over and over again. <laughs> no thanks. Um, and also on the subscription front. Okay, so Apple Arcade announced mm-hmm. last last week, week, I think. Yeah, um, and they're they're starting on September nineteenth, which is the day after this podcast episode airs. Um, Apple Arcade is Apple's five dollar a month subscription. I think they're starting with a hundred. Games, something like that. I think, oh, I think, it's, I think it's over 100. They're now. launching 200 within the first couple months, I think. Okay, so there, there's some weird framing. Something around about 100 games. Yeah, um, I think they wanted to be able to put the number 100 on there, and they just like use some words to make that work. Yeah, and so my understanding of Apple Arcade is this is very clearly aimed at families and parents yes. to basically say, "Here's the thing: we have a huge selection of games that have been vetted mm-hmm. and curated by us, by as, human beings, as being family friendly." They don't have in-app purchases. They don't have ads. They don't have don't, to worry about privacy you issues. You don't have to worry about privacy issues because we're being very strict about all that stuff. Uh, and so for $5 a month, you now have the ability w- to, with peace of mind to just hand your kid the iPad and they'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, my understanding is like they're not selling the games so much as the peace of well, mind of, of a, of a yeah. parent – of a tool for parents to like – be able to well, play you, you can see this in the games they have too, right? Because part of the model was to only have brand new titles. Yeah. Right. And, and so you can't sell the, it's hard to, it's hard as shit to sell a game, right? Yeah. So you yeah. basically, you can't, unless people already know that that game exists. Um, so that's very clearly what they're doing. Now, also the price point, I was, I was surprised at how low it is. Same here. Yeah. It's half of Netflix. It's very cheap. lower than half. Third yeah. yeah. Which also then kind of makes sense. Like why they have no AAA titles in there. Right. Because the, because, mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, Apple has, has talked fairly publicly about they're putting a lot of resources into this. I don't think they've given out any numbers or anything, yeah. but, but they're putting a lot of resources in this anyway. And, and they're, and, and from our understanding, they've treated devs very well who are, who are putting games in there. Um, but the moment you bring in a triple A title, like everything gets a hundred It absorbs all the resources. It absorbs all the resources. <laughs> yeah, also. And if you're charging five bucks a month, you know, it, I mean, they're, I mean, they're going to have a huge user base and they're going to yeah, I mean, my- they're going to get. Plenty of money coming in. My the question is always the scale. Once you hit AAA, like what is that? My mean? assumption is that it will do. It will do well. Um, Apple's trying to move into this more of the services model with this thing, and I think the reality of just how many games are on there, and then the fact that they spread across your devices, yeah, the whole thing. I think. I think it's gonna. It'll do something for sure. Yeah, and yeah, and of course the fact that Apple. They've got all the iPhones in the world under yeah. their command, yeah. so they can just put the arcade. Somewhere front and center on your iPhone. Yeah, which I assume they're doing with the updated um, OS. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, of course, they own the entire chain, right? They own the hardware. They own the operating system. They own the store. They own the software. They own Mm -hmm. the arcade. Um, So, I mean, if if they can't make this go, then I don't fucking know. (laughs) I don't know who could. this price point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We'll be watching from the sidelines. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So, really, I think it's just – I don't think there's a question of whether it will succeed. I think it's more of a – yeah, just what the degree is going to look like. And and also – There's going to be – and there's good stuff in there too. Yes. Yeah. There's there's probably all we've. Yeah. There's stuff that we've seen. There's a stuff that – People Sneaky have, Sasquatch is, is that, in there. Is that announced though for that? Yeah. yeah, they, they have, have a big trailer up on okay, it. Okay, yeah. good. Yep. Right. Like, yeah, I wanted to be able to, to say them by name, but I didn't know if they actually yeah, announced yeah. it or not. Um, uh, that's the Rec Seven team. Yeah, some of our favorite people. Yeah, yeah we have we have uh, we have been plugging Sneaky Sasquatch on this podcast for years. Actually, yeah, yeah. we've only seen it a few times at PAX. Yeah, so and every time we're just like, 
this is this is it's crazy. Just, yeah, but this is actually one of the cool things that some you know going back to this idea of you know giving up some of your freedom and flexibility for for financial security. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lets you do something because like they've been working on sneaky Sasquatch for a long time, um, but couldn't actually see because how it's it's like, it's, it's a simulation, it. right? Like and they yeah. they couldn't figure out how they how were do you pitch this? How do you pitch it? How do you how do you get anybody to and and they found themselves in a position where they had to pitch it to to a service, right? Where the service like. It's all about having just a, a fun array of interesting, yeah. diverse stuff, right? And so, so the pitch that they had to have was very different than trying to pitch it directly to a player. And and they could basically say, "Hey, we've just got this really weird, fun thing, mm-hmm. um, and we want to we want to finish it and put it on this platform." And now you actually get to right because because you've you've been kind of freed up from the requirement that the thing that you can sell this directly to players, yeah. right? Uh, so there's there's actually huge. Yeah, it's going to be shown to players. Yeah, so probably. Like, Hundreds of millions. Yes, of them now. and so when it comes to this idea of independence, right? It's like okay, so you know, Apple Arcade has has made it clear that it's an exclusives focused mm-hmm. platform, right? And so that means that they can't put this game on other platforms, right? And so that was the thing that they gave up. But in return, they got this enormous amount of independence, actually, mm-hmm. because they got to make the game they wanted to yep. make uh, that otherwise might not have been viable. Yeah. So at a certain point, you got to just take take what you Pick can. And choose. You know? Yeah. Well, this is that nuanced view of of maximizing independence because it's one of our you know it's mm-hmm. on our bullet list of. Principles. principles and and the nuanced view is you have to understand what does independence mean because it has a lot of dimensions to well it. part of it is being alive yeah yep. you know if your studio collapses because you refuse every business deal then you're not very independent because yep. <laughs> you don't exist anymore yep. uh, so there's uh, yeah like there's nuance and then the last subscription news is discord nitro which has been around for one year. year one year okay uh, they're coming up on their one year uh, anniversary since they launched Discord Nitro, which is the subscription service for nine ninety nine a month. It has some pretty good number of games, um, and anybody on Discord can, and also Discord Nitro, if you subscribe, also has perks for the chat service itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're shutting down the games subscription side, and they've already over the year, which I think I already talked about, uh, kind of tucked the store away because there used to be a storefront you could go buy stuff, mm-hmm. and that that hasn't been there now for six months, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I think it was a few years ago, we had talked about the idea that it would be crazy for Discord not to put a game store into their mm-hmm. client um, just because of the fact that the, the chat client is built around gaming as like a thing. Yeah. Um, so many gamers use it for their uh, voice stuff and, and all that. And if you get 100, 200 million gamers together in one place, like why would you not <laughs> start to sell them games? Yep. yep. Um, but then, of course, at the time, the conversation was like, well, we still don't know what that would necessarily look like or how it would integrate with the client or whatever. So then they announced their subscription service, and it was just part of their normal Discord Nitro thing. And uh, and we all kind of felt at the time like we were kind of going through the list, and none of us really participated. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, It was weird because I was very excited about it, and I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be a big deal. But then, yeah, and I had Nitro. I never – I still actually yeah. haven't played a game. Yeah, and, and I looked through yeah, a bunch I, of the I games. I downloaded a game and didn't play it. But I that wonder was, what that's so what was what was that about? I don't know. I mean, one, I think the only game that I played was Spell Force, which oh, is yeah. a game that we had like twenty years ago. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. Game. So I basically just kind of like revisited a game that mm-hmm. I had already played. I downloaded ago. Tooth and Tail because I keep, I keep meaning to actually oh, buy yeah. it and play it on Steam. And then just every time it comes up on sale again, I'm like, I'm not feeling it right now. So just it's been in my wish list for like I guess a year and a half, whatever mm-hmm. it's been now. And so when that came up in Nitro, I was like, oh, a barrier was removed. So then I went and downloaded it. But then the real barrier was just Time. actually playing it. That was, you know, that yeah, was it. Yeah. And so it didn't even help that I had. Yeah. So this is, this is an interesting conundrum that I think is, you know, it's, it's going to be there for, for all of these subscription services mm-hmm. is the, is the problem of um, a lot of people who play games really like to get into a game. Yes. You know, they, they go really deep into a game. And so so offering a huge selection of games may not necessarily be a selling point for a lot of people, right? It um, gives you, uh, you know, choice paralysis. Right. Um, and so with the case of Discord, uh, you know, I already was a Nitro subscriber because of the, the chat client benefits uh, prior to all that. And so all of a sudden, without me having to make any decisions, all of a sudden I had like 100 extra games available to me. But also I was already – Busy, like I was, already, I was already playing <laughs> the games got your list. that I already was playing. You know, Rocket League and Kerbal yeah. Space Program and World of Warcraft and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, and it was, and it was even sold as basically a perk to the chat features. You know, yeah, like, it wasn't. They didn't really try to sell you Nitro the subscription, but I'm wondering if this service. is basically what the the core, the crux, of the problem was, which is that 
the service that people are coming there for is is the chat. Yeah. And it is I mean it's just like any service. Like you you know, it's it's basically strictly for the chat. Anything that they add on to it that's not that is going to not be the re- like people aren't going to start going there for the store specifically because yeah, I mean, they go there for the chat. Yeah, as we've said before, you know, context is super important to people's yeah. purchasing decisions, right? Well, it's, so. it's context and and just uh, things like exclusivity. Because mm-hmm. the fact is, you know, there were, there were so many games that were in the Discord client that I had seen all over the place for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they had they had they did have some exclusives. They did, but it, yes. but their exclusive strategy was it wasn't epic because epic strategy was to get triple A's right as right. exclusives. And because now there are games that people want from developers they know about, and this is the only place you can get like it. Therefore, Lambs, like Borderlands 3. Which yeah. now, now this is where you have to go, right? Uh, and Discord did what Apple is doing, which is they said, they said, we don't want to put all of our money into AAA and get like one or two AAA <laughs> titles. We want to get maybe hundreds of indie titles or whatever, right? Because um, you can just get a lot more of them, right? right? And so – The so difference th- being uh, the Apple ones are all exclusive as, a, yes. as far as I know. They are. They're all yeah. new things. Yeah, they're all new yes. and exclusive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the Discord stuff was actually, like I said, Spellforce, like, tw- like 20 yeah. like older yeah. games, the Roller Coaster Tycoons in there. Yeah. Like, these are all great they games. They only had a handful of exclusives. Um, but the exclusives were, they were, again, there were, they were smaller indie titles. Yeah. And exclusives only work as a selling point if people know they want the thing in the first place. Yeah. Well, you the know? point of an exclusive is, it, is that the exclusive brings the audience that's attached to the thing. Yeah, exactly. And so it has to be already a successful thing, basically. Right? People so, have to want this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Borderlands 3 is like a fantastic exclusive get yep. from Epic, right? Because it's got this huge fan base that's super excited yep. about it. So by being on the store, they're going to bring that fan base over, right? Right. So yeah, if you don't – getting an exclusive for a smaller indie title is never going to be quite as good of a deal. Yeah, and this is why you also see with Apple Arcade, they're not they're not selling the games in the store actually, right? Correct. They're yeah. selling the service. It's a service. Yeah. And, and what the service gives you, which is this family-friendly – Yeah, you know, and that's, that's the smart approach. Yeah, with. it was the approach you have to take because the fact that things are exclusive in there, it doesn't matter to people. People don't, people don't care if things are exclusive when they haven't heard of them, right. you know? Yeah. And so I don't know what's happening with the Discord paid store because it was actually – there were two parts to the Discord store. There's the Nitro where you're a subscriber and you get all these games. And then also they had a separate section where you could just buy games. They're putting that's, – that's all now inside of the channels, that's, inside yeah. of the servers. So now it's the case that if I want to buy uh, Descenders through Discord, I have to actually join the Descenders Discord server. Mm-hmm. And then in the top left corner, there's a link where I can buy it through Discord. Right. Mm. Which is weird because I wouldn't really join the Discord server unless, unless I was already playing the game. Yeah. Um, so that I imagine is not going super well either, just based on my intuition. But <laughs> no. <laughs> Who knows? yeah, my impression is that basically the infrastructure was there, and so they wanted to still because because you can also use it for doing like alpha and beta testing and that kind of thing. So my impression of it is that uh, they're basically providing it as a service to developers, yeah. um, and very vaguely. Yeah, to to basically be able to do betas and alphas and stuff and and to kind of build your community and and focus your community around your game um, so that you can also just sell directly to community, you know, through Discord right there. Because uh, they're also like the, – because they're taking a 10% cut, I think, or something like that is what Probably they said. announced, yeah, something like that. Low, yeah. um, so it's – their cut is low enough that it's going to – they're not really going to be making any money off of it either. Um, so I'm pretty sure they're just providing it. Just as a just service. Just as a service. To get the more stuff happening on the platform. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. That's, that's really it. Yeah, well, let's talk about uh, Borderlands Three. Oh, so yeah, Borderlands Three. You played it. Yeah. I haven't played it yet. I, I, my wife and I played it on Saturday night for a few hours. Um, we were very, we played the shit out of Borderlands Two. Loved it. Uh, so we we're very excited about Borderlands Three. And so far, it it people have been saying it's just Borderlands Two again, mm-hmm. and that is a hundred percent spot on. It yeah. is just Borderlands Two, and for the most is that, part is that's that great okay but there but there's 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 a problem with the with the lore side which is that mm. a lot of what was so fun about Borderlands 2 was that the characters were like all new and interesting and and you didn't know you never knew what a, a, a weird character was cuz they're all weird so you, yeah. you didn't know what they're going to be like and you, they introduced all these kind of funny jokes and features as time goes on and but you're also kind of building up some lore cuz you you kind of find yourself part of this, you know, faction that's fighting against Handsome Jack, and you, right. know, you learn who, and, and very slowly learn about Handsome Jack through his little audio tapes, you know. And uh, and in this one, they've actually brought basically all the old characters back. Hmm. So you're like you're playing cameos. as new Vault Hunters, but the Vault Hunters don't matter actually, because like because they're not part of the story, you know. Hmm. They're just shooting over there. They're yeah. just you're, you're just as a character, you are really you're literally irrelevant to the story. The story's happening around you, and you're kind of participating in it, but. You your character isn't a core piece of the actual story, right? Hmm. So in Borderlands 2, that's that's true. And so 
so Borderlands Three, they're like new set of vault hunters. You got new capabilities, and they're pretty they're pretty fucking rad. So I'm I'm playing as a character. She just has a giant mech suit she can summon and get into, and and your upgrade tracks are just like adding new arms to it that, <laughs> that shoot different kinds of weapons. Awesome. And stuff. <laughs> uh, so it gets more and more ridiculous as you go. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's pretty. And you can you also and I just added you can add like a, a mount to your back so that your buddy can actually hop into the back with another turret. What? Uh, so it's, I mean, so it's pretty awesome. That, and my wife is playing. So as, you are a vehicle. That's your. You're yeah, a vehicle. Yeah. So, and character. my wife is playing as a character who's the Beastmaster. So the Beastmaster uh, yes. is a robot, like this really weirdly tall robot. So like towering over my character, uh, who can summon a handful of different creatures. So there's like a, this like dog like alien, this monkey like alien that has a gun. And uh, this ant, this like ant lion type of uh, enemy that or, or uh, a monkey or with a gun, so a person, a person, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but then each one has a special ability, so one basically can basically summons shields, and the other one just like attacks things, you know, whatever. Uh, and and so, yeah, so they, they, they did a good job making these new vault hunters just be very fun and interesting. Um, but then once you get into the game, you like the first thing you do is you meet Claptrap again, of course, you know, and He's basically just the same guy, and mm-hmm. but but now everything is being told as if you know who Claptrap is. So you're not being introduced to Claptrap, you know. Right. You're just like, oh yeah, I remember Claptrap? He's really funny. Like we we hope that you still like him and find this you know, interaction enjoyable, and it is definitely. Uh, but then like the first characters you meet, like you you do meet a few new characters, but they're now all part of a continuation of the story of Borderlands Two. Mm. So. My wife and I both found that we just weren't paying attention to the story actually, because like it just felt like. There's nothing new. Nothing, it, yeah, because even though happening. it is, it's continuing and things are, but it's it's like, okay, we're hunting vaults again. Like it's all, all the same stuff. And, and the story, you know, frankly, isn't that deep in the first place, right? Because they just needed a reason for you to shoot stuff. Um, but but somehow <laughs> in Borderlands 2, it just felt really fun and compelling to learn more about what was mm. going on. And I think a lot of it was also like the handsome Jack tapes, you know, where yeah. it's just so hilarious. Uh, and so far, we're, we're only a few hours in, so who knows? But so far, it just we just haven't felt that. It just really feels like, you know that end game experience where things just kind of keep on going. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. It kind of feels like hmm. it's yeah. Borderlands Two, and things are just kind of still going. going. Yeah, but we don't. It doesn't really feel like they need to be. You mm. know, so it's kind of you're in like a the Matrix Reloaded kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah. You're like that. This, this didn't necessarily need to happen. Yeah, like but the this. gameplay. I mean, the gameplay <laughs> is super fun and satisfying, and and so so I have I have nothing bad to say about the actual gameplay game, experience. Right. Um, it just could have used some more novelty maybe in the story department. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, I think having it felt like, and I think, I don't know that my impression is that from their past titles, they, they basically decided that, that what the fans really wanted was just literally more Borderlands 2. And I think that's largely correct. And, and in order, and to give it to the fans, then they just literally said, okay, more Borderlands 2. That, that was right. it. Like same story, same everything. We'll just continue the story. Um, and I think they still could have, but they could have taken a different angle on the same story and it is the case that it is clearly a different story definitely it's just that you started off with the same characters and the same mm. framework it's this you know and so i don't know but the opening cinematic is pretty glorious oh man i'm so excited yeah, yeah, it is very fun yeah i so i actually have never i weirdly love the borderlands games but i've also never played any of them for more than a few hours you gotta play them with people yeah. yeah, it's a multiplayer. And like they thing. have endings and stuff, right? Like yeah. you can beat the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And their expansions or DLCs or whatever they call them um are just fantastic. Now there's Tiny Tina's something. Tiny Tina's uh, her her dun- she's a dungeon master basically. Yeah. That is still just voiced one of by my- Ashley Birch, yeah. who is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And and they did so many weird things with that ex- that expansion cuz you you'd be going through and and the and the world would look a certain way and then, and then she would all of a sudden realize she didn't want to tell the story that way, so she would change it and all of a sudden it's this very friendly place and they just like kind of wipe the screen and now it's a different environment <laughs> they just did all this really weird cool stuff that made it feel like truly you were playing as a character in a D game being told by by tiny tina i it think was, from, it was super from fun. the from their standpoint that's the dlcs are actually where probably all the weirdness is gonna really come in full force yeah, I think so. because that's that's actually the place where they get to play because that's where they get the freedom of doing whatever they want yeah because they Cause know then you can buy the weird thing that you want well not only that but like all the tools and tech have already been developed yeah yeah. So this this is like actually where you get to really put production into like into a big big phase and do some weird experiments and stuff. Yeah, I think, as far so as content I think goes. yeah, I think that's probably true. I think what they're doing is basically making another Borderlands two. Mm-hmm. You know, just a little better, right? Mm-hmm. Which is another Borderlands two, and they're going to give us some wacky yeah. expansions at some point. It'll be fun. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. It's fun though, and it's just exclusive on the Epic Store. Yep, yep. there you so go. I guess I'll go have to go there and get so it. The there Epic it Store added pre-orders or sorry, added added uh, pre downloads. Yeah, just. Just for this game. 
So do you think the Epic Store has those now, or did they just kind of cram that in by hand? I don't don't know. (laughs) We'll figure it out. I don't know how good their processes are over there. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscash.net. Highest upvoted question comes from FlyHoppyAxeRampa. Do any of you ever read and skim through the entire list of podcast questions? If so, do you ever see a question that you secretly hope doesn't get upvoted? Yes Was it one yes. of mine? Oh, no. I don't think it's one of yours. I don't know. For that third one. Uh, Fly Hoppy does ask depressing questions. That's true. I'm going to go ahead and just say yes across the board. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're like, oh, do we want to go there today? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we do yeah. have we do have sometimes a, it gets too real. It gets too real. Mm-hmm. We do have a no bummers policy, which is which 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 isn't to say we can't talk about things that are on the darker end of the spectrum. Right. It's just that that shouldn't be what it's about. We don't want to sustain that forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say because these are all public as fly happy ask these questions in a public forum. So I will say he what he has the ones that that we have not answered were the ones where he basically told a sad story and then asked a question that was only tangentially related mm-hmm. to yeah. that. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta really tie it. You gotta really <laughs> tie, <laughs> tie it together. Uh-huh. Or even then just, you know, uh there needs to be a real reason for the sad story and then uh, also thing that could be positive about the outcome of the question. Mm-hmm. You know yes. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, yeah, I personally, I don't tend to look through the questions because I kind of want to be more surprised by them when they come up. Yeah. Um, so I, I very rarely do. The ones that, that are the weirdest to me that I don't like the most are the ones where they're like, they're like, okay, the three of you are trapped in an island. Who do you eat first? Or like, <laughs> or which one of the three of you do you just hate? Like all these things yeah. where it's just like for some <laughs> reason trying to create, trying to create animosity. Reason. And I'm like, dude, yeah. what? Yeah, we got oh, all that yeah. out of our system in our first twenty years of life. Yeah, yeah. And so otherwise, good. the ones that are the ones that I that I also just it's something that I secretly don't want to have. It's just mm-hmm. the ones that I wouldn't upvote and and would not really answer are the ones that are basically just completely random. You know, mm-hmm. where there's like it's just some like random words in effect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then those ones I'm not. Yeah, because there's ask, no meat there. Yeah, you have to ask the question: What sort of value can we bring to the podcast via this question? Yeah. Yes. Right? The now, question is a vehicle. Now, speaking of meat. Next question comes from Chelosis. Nice. What do you guys eat for lunch normally? Nice segue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Meat. Yeah. What have you guys been having? Uh, I'll, I just eat whatever's around. Adam grabs you know. a, a single peanut. Yep. Yeah. I eat, I eat handfuls of peanuts throughout the day. That's my that's my baseline. Staying healthy, keeping my blood sugar static, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Because um, I was I was actually talking to my wife about this this weekend. So. We we talked probably in the podcast before about this idea that if you're if you're doing work, it's like you're always excited about having done work, you know, and it feels mm-hmm. really good to have done work. Uh, but sometimes in the moment to moment, it's not so great. For me, eating is exactly the opposite, which is eating is great. I I love to eat, but I fucking hate having eaten. <laughs> the <laughs> feeling of you're like, full and yeah, like weird, full that falls, and also because I got weird guts too, you know. Yeah. So there's literally nothing that I can eat in my life. Unless I eat a tiny amount of it, that I feel good after eating. Like mm. my, I'm just, I'm just always feel worse after I've eaten something. And so, so if you maintain a small amount, yeah. If I just like have a small amount of just like some protein and fat just throughout the day, and like protein, fat, and salt, which is you know some like really good salted peanuts, and just kind of eat that, then I just feel fine the whole time. You know those uh, those Camelback pouches with the little tube thing. Yeah, you need one of those full of peanuts or a Pez dispenser. Yeah, that's a where you can just kind of lean you, lean over and kind of like. We should get is one of those relish pumps from the baseball. Oh, thing. yeah. Get a, get a Put one of those on top of your monitor. Okay. Yep, get a and then pump. anytime you're you're feeling snacky, <laughs> you just reach up and blast it. Uh-huh. Bla- do a Sometimes p- nothing will come out except for dust. And then other times it'll be like yeah. a, just an avalanche. And you get flavor blasted. Pickle blast. I do. Uh, I've actually been doing salads lately. Salads and hard-boiled eggs. I have four hard-boiled eggs and some salad. How do you feel about hard-boiled egg yolks? I'm fine with them. Okay. I eat meat, and <laughs> you can get these uh, bags of of like steamed veggies at the grocery store, like oh, frozen yeah. veg, like and they've got like a trillion different ones. And it's like a pound or some crazy thing. You yeah. throw it in the microwave. It's so right? fucking good. There's a huge variety of them too. They self steam in the bag. Is yeah. that the ones? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, so good. You can make you get yourself a complete meal just with that. Well, Boom. not just with the vegetables, but you know, you mix something else. Put in some there. beans in there. Use proteins. But uh, next question comes from Gua. I like analyzing the game market and trying to figure out the reason why some games succeed and some fail. Good I'm, luck. Yeah. I'm constantly seeing unexpected successes and failures. Yes. I, and if you've <laughs> seen anything else, then I'd be surprised. <laughs> and even big companies often can't make good predictions. Correct. Yep. So my question is, do you think that there's a value in analyzing successes and failures with their games? 
or maybe developers should just accept the fact that we're making art and it's impossible to predict what will resonate with large numbers of people. I have a yes and no on both of this. Yeah. I got a, mid- I got a middling feeling. I think uh, if you're trying to look at what worked for other games and as a metric of what you should do, That's I don't think that'll work, work because so everything is context and time dependent, yep. right? So we, we sometimes joke about how anytime you hear about something in GDC, you're hearing it three years too late. Yes. Because it takes somebody years to build something. They had the idea that was relevant at the time they started building it. Mm-hmm. They finished building it. Then it has to become successful enough that they can submit a talk to GDC. At the appropriate time. At the appropriate time. August, and then September. six months after that, GDC, GDC happens, right? Yep. And by that point, it's probably useless. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, then, uh, and then everything's riddled with attribution errors because, well – well, it may be reasonable to think, hey, I did this. Hey, I spent fifty thousand dollars in ads. Hey, this YouTuber picked me up. Hey, whatever, right? Uh, that's the reason I and then and then I was successful, right? Yep. And it's really easy to to link those two things together, but there's no way to actually prove that. Um mm-hmm. and so so you have attribution errors and you combine that with or I guess attribution unknowns, but mm-hmm. but what you're gonna see is is attribution errors because people will attribute things. They always will attribute things. And there's going to be a wrong some unknown fraction of the time. So you just have to kind of assume those are all wrong. And then you couple that with survivorship bias. And you now basically just have no idea why a thing – Well, there's also this other problem, which is like say you do a, you do a market analysis, which you're, su- yep. you're supposed to do supposedly yeah. before you start making a game. And it's a really weird problem because demographically if you're looking at uh, like the total proportion of the player base, like what sort of games do they play? You actually, there's plenty of data around that shows like basically genre-wise what people are playing. So you could say, oh, well, we need to make something that everyone's playing, right? Mm-hmm. But you could also equally say, oh, we need to make something that's not even on this chart yet yep, because it's a completely underserved market. So you see something like Rocket League comes out of nowhere. No one asked for that yeah, at all, literally at all. No <laughs> one was like, you know what I'm missing? Flying around a car, hitting a ball. Yep. Like, well, and even, even better is, of course, uh, Psionics already made that game. And it didn't, and it didn't, it didn't go even remotely yep. as well as it did the second so time. So this is why, you know, frequently on the, on the podcast, you'll hear us say, just at some point at the end of a, a discussion, you just say, nothing matters. Right. <laughs> everything everything matters and nothing matters. And I think there's there's a benefit in it just because it builds up your – it builds up a library, a broad library of stories about various methods of success that people have found or various stories about their success. But I don't think you can uh, – it's just hard to say that you could ever make a good decision based on those stories. It's more yeah. so about just knowing what levers might be available. So this is how we think about it is, is we know we know a, a number of the mechanisms by which people have found success or at least appear to have influenced their own success, whether it's um, you know schmoozing with the platforms and having business partners there, uh, doing like actually participating on social media, going to GDC, like doing all these different things. We don't know how – all this stuff mixes together. And in fact, probably for each individual game, it's a completely different cocktail every single time. But we know that there's these, probably these levers. And then so our goal is basically to, when it comes to a launch point, pull all the levers that we know exist. And that's why we pay attention to the stories because sometimes we learn something new about a lever. But also we have finite resources. And so then we Mm -hmm. just have to use our own understanding of the world and how we think it works, not how we, not how we, you know, know it works, right? But how we think it works. In the moment, so, you know, at that time, so that we can decide how to how to allocate resources to all those different levers, right? Mm-hmm. Because pulling pulling a lever is not free, you know. Yep. And so to decide, you know, if you're going to do an ad spend, that might be at the cost of hiring an employee, right? Yep. Because if you're going to spend enough on ads for it to matter, it's probably equivalent to hiring a new person. Yeah. Well, and I think another important note is is adaptability is really important here. Yep. So I think a good example of a company that. Um, had a shitload of resources and was unable to capture success is Epic actually mm. because they released a weird th- third person MOBA called Paragon. Oh yeah. That nobody fucking played. It I mean, kind of weird. Even Gearbox. Gearbox just had Battleborn. Yep. Yeah. Which uh, I don't Battleborn. know if anybody remembers. Totally. Came out last year. Yep. Totally was it last year? collapsed. Maybe it was just last year. Maybe uh, Paragon got shut down and then, and then Epic launched this weird zombie fighting game called Fortnite. Also was an utter failure mm-hmm. until finally uh, they saw the success of PUBG and they were like, wait a minute. We already have most of the things. If we just add a game mode mm-hmm. that basically is PUBG but free, then maybe we can just like try to steal their, their yep. market, right? Yep. And so they adapted their game, which was originally a completely different concept that apparently nobody wanted and they didn't know, mm-hmm. um, to something that became now this most successful game of our current era, yeah. right? 
And so, so there's there's this interesting uh, wrinkle that comes up with all this stuff too, which is that as you see all these stories, it's tempting. Because the the question I think you should try to answer from these is when to know when to quit and move on to something else. Uh, and to me, it's when it's actually when you've run out of when you've run out of levers is actually kind of when it is yeah. because the reality is um, you just don't know until you've pulled all of them uh, just how the hell the thing's going to go. So, for example. You know, while we've talked about how Levelhead's early access launch has been smaller than we had anticipated, um, it's not the case that we're particularly concerned yet because we have a full launch to go. Yeah, we have the main platforms. lever is the full launch. Yeah, right? we have all this stuff still left to go. If it's the case that we pull all those and still not much has happened, yep. then yeah, we're going to drop that and just move on with our lives. Right, there's time to go. But up until then, it's it's actually very hard, and it's a battle you have to fight. You know, mentally, basically internally, as a as a as a dev, is to not read. You want to read so much into any of the statistics that you're able to get back on your game, but it's hard to recognize that maybe you shouldn't until you've managed to pull a yeah. bunch of these up. And I would say it's it's fair to to surmise that almost all game developers believe that their game has the capacity to succeed, oh, yeah. right? I do think there's a small subset of people who don't necessarily believe that and just kind of secretly hope that it will in spite of it mm-hmm. um but uh, in spite of them not even trying to market it or whatever right. right there's that self-handicapping layer but i would say for the most part people make games that they themselves are passionate about making and that they also believe that there's somebody else out there who's going to feel the same way so uh but only a few games can go yes and so it's very hard to tell um and also because of the context, because of the the competition, mm-hmm. it may be the case that one particular game does really well just just because of timing. Maybe uh, so. Like back back in the day, we worked on this endless runner called One Epic Night. Yeah, we were we were trying to uh, launch with a it different studio with a different studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was before Butterscotch days, mm-hmm. and at the time, Temple Run was a big thing. It was one of the first sort of like popular 3D games on the iPhone and on Android. And uh, so the company we were a part of was trying to sort of capitalize on this uh, this new genre of game that was coming that was coming to be, um, and we just kind of missed it. Mm-hmm. Like we missed the window. Well, there's this other game that came out just shortly before what a week called before Subway Surfers, which is, you may have heard of because it's had like a billion fucking downloads. Subway Surfers, I believe, is the top grossing game. Yeah, on iOS, it's ridiculous. Really, it's, yeah. it's doing very well still. It makes a Astro, I have. I think I believe it's had over a billion downloads. Yeah, over over Candy Crush. I think it's actually. Over I Candy think Crush. it is. Shit. Yeah. I, well, like, we'll need to fact check this. But regardless, it's up there. It's up there and has been up there. Is yeah. doing insane numbers and it has been for like a decade yeah. almost. I guess like eight years or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so like our game came out like a week after that or something like that. And also like right around that time, like ten other endless runners launched yeah. in the same week, and then like twenty so, the next week. And so yep. like. We just kind of like hit right in the middle of that wave. Um, and what we don't know is and, – and actually I remember uh, uh, so many of the reviews – and you can yes. go, like, you can look them up. So many of the reviews about the game were basically, oh, great, another Endless Runner. And they actually didn't really talk about the substance of the game itself because they were just mm-hmm. tired of Endless Runners all of a yep. sudden. Yep. Um, and so we don't know if we had launched it a month before or two months before, if we had managed to catch that wave – had people just been really excited or about even like because subway servers didn't necessarily do they didn't do shockingly well right out of the gate is the truth no it was again it was it was, people game. were like oh this is a cool but they like, worked on it for a decade now so there's also always that question which is like well, yeah. what if you just keep on growing yeah and you just keep on you know and you don't know whether well, that's know. gonna work yeah um i think that uh that that idle idle minor tycoon game is kind of another weird one which is like yeah they just they just did weekly patches on the thing until they were making money. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just kept going and kept yeah. adding stuff. And they scaled out their studio. And, and they, they have like, like 80 new, people yeah. in two offices yeah, across two countries. Which is hard Which is hard to advise, right, as, as a strategy because I think that that's not going to work most of the time. Right. Where it's, like, <laughs> right. it's like, do you have a game that you believe in but nobody's playing and it's not making any money? Keep, that's okay. Just keep, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep like, investing that, in it. Because that's not going to work for – most, Almost anybody, yeah. yeah. But well, the thing is, you hear these stories of when it did work, and now, and now it makes yeah. you ask the question: like, is that what I should do? The question is: what portion of the time did it not work? Yep. And did you not hear about that? Because yep. that's also very true. And the thing is, this is the problem: is that but probably none, none way of more is, often. Yeah. But also, none of this is actionable, right? Well, because, think, like, yeah. because it, if it didn't work for ten thousand people, that's fine. Because every single game operates in a completely different context, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like we just said, you know, like you could launch fifty endless runners in a month. 
and the, the first one becomes successful or the ninth one or something. Yeah. And you like by the time you get to the last one, yeah, people are just sick of endless runners, but maybe that wouldn't be successful anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yeah. So I think the the reality is is to some degree you have to recognize that when you're when you're reading about these things, that you've just adopted a different form of entertainment for yourself, which is that it's kind of like reading the news, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that you can't do anything about nearly everything you read about, and most of it doesn't matter to you on any sort of level whatsoever. But for some reason, it's interesting. Uh, it's captured yeah. your curiosity. Maybe you can uh, think about it like uh, like placing bets on like a, a horse race or something, mm-hmm. which is like nobody actually knows who's going to win. Mm-hmm. If they yep. did, there'd be no point. There would be no gambling around it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why it's gambling because it's the outcomes are totally unpredictable. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. There's no way to know. Mm-hmm. Nope. All right. That's all the time we have for this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everything matters and nothing matters. I don't know. Well, we, some that's things it. matter, but we don't know what they are. Yep. So, uh, so just do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just make the thing, make the thing that you believe has the ability to be successful and pull all the levers that you can. Mm-hmm. And that's about hope, all you can hopefully do. it pans out. And also as a, as a word of wisdom. Mm. Okay. In Eve online, there's a, uh, uh, a phrase that players always say, which is don't fly something you can't afford to lose. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. So you buy, you use, you, you save up all your isk. That's uh, interstellar currency. You save up all your mm-hmm. isk and you buy the biggest ship that you can afford. And you've, you're, you've got no money left, right? You undock that thing. You start from, boom, it blows up. Somebody destroys it. Now, what do you got? Nothing. nothing. You yep. got nothing. Right. <laughs> so instead, you know, don't, you know, spend, just spend like a third of your, of your money mm-hmm. on that ship. That way you blow it up, boom, you just go pick up another one. You learn something and now you can go on and fly it better yep. next time, right? So don't fly something you can't afford to lose. Nice. All right. Well, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster for making our podcast sound good and run smoothly. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net. We've got links to everything there. And of course, go to meet.bscotch.net to get your tickets for Shenanicon. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.